Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter. I'm here with fellow crime reader and neurotic book hoarder, Sarah McDuelling. Um, and we are delighted to be across from Emma Vizkic. Vizkic. <laughs> well done. <laughs> we practiced that several times. I'm sorry. I'm still reeling over neurotic. <laughs> I can't really deny it. <laughs> um, Emma has brought in her latest novel, Darkness for Light, the third Caleb Zellick thriller. Welcome, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. Um, when did you start writing and when did Caleb come into your writing life? I started writing about the same time I could read. So around four or five. I got little stories um, from um, back then. I pretty much wrote anything that I was reading. I wrote in that style. When Caleb came into my life, I used to say probably about 10 years ago, because it took about five years to write Resurrection Bay, but recently I unearthed a whole lot of childhood writing, this big uh, plastic box of, of stories, and I can see seeds of his character way back <sighs> to primary school. Oh, that must be so strange. Yeah, it was quite, you, you know, often you think you know what you're doing and you know what you're writing, um, but it actually turns out that it's all therapy. And you've got no idea what you're doing. <laughs> well, and I say you, but I mean me. Um, yeah, so I went to school with a girl who was profoundly deaf and um, she had a pretty big impact on my life. I, I met her when I was about the age that you start um, really understanding that different people have different lives from you, about, you know, eight, nine, about that age. Um, and I, I've got this, a whole lot of stories, not based on deafness, but on blindness or in being mute or in being invisible. And they go right through my primary school writing, through my high school writing. Um, but I actually think his character goes back even earlier than that um, to the fact that I only had uh, paternal grandparents. My maternal grandparents died a long time before I was born. Uh, and my paternal grandparents didn't speak English and I wasn't raised to speak Croatian. So that idea of communication and not being able to talk to people has been there, you know, well, since I was born, really. So I think his, his character has just been bubbling away in my subconscious for a very, very long time. It must be... So you wrote the character and then sort of looked back and saw this genesis. That must have been so fascinating. Oh, absolutely. So I, I wrote Resurrection Bay um, and then the second book and Fire came down and then started working out where his character had come from. I mean, I, I, I'd always sort of clicked that I'd gone to school with a girl who was profoundly deaf and, and, and um, that had been an influence, but uh, it didn't quite account for my real fascination with the ideas of identity and um, communication and things. But, yeah, I, I think I, I really know what I'm writing about until I start writing it. For those lucky readers who are about to discover your books, um, could you set up Darkness for Light? What, do, what can uh, readers expect diving into this new novel? So it's, uh, as I said, it's the third novel uh, in the series with, with Caleb. Um, and it starts with Caleb, after a couple of pretty grim years, <laughs> is starting to make a go of things in his life. His things are looking up. He's in therapy. He's reconnecting with his beloved ex-wife. He is uh, also reconnecting with the deaf community which hasn't been a part of his life since he was uh, in school. He's, he's very much uh, been living in the hearing world. Uh, he is uh, profoundly deaf but can lip read and use sign language. So he, he, he can work, walk in either world really. So he's making go of things. He's feeling pretty positive. 
but a violent confrontation with someone from his past drags him back into his old life and um, makes him, uh, he has to find his ex-business partner, Frankie, who has betrayed him in the past. And because of his actions, her niece is kidnapped. And so in order to save the girl, he has to uh, work with his ex-partner. Uh, and things get, go rapidly downhill from there. It's wild. And he has the best of intentions. <laughs> Poor old Caleb often does have the best of intentions. But, uh, yeah, good decisions don't always come easily to him. And um, even when they do, things often go wrong. I haven't read this one. I'm so excited for it. I love Caleb. And I can't remember where I read you say this, but... I remember it might have been on the Booktopia book. <laughs> uh, I remember you once saying that happiness is boring in books. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, when you started outlaying um, this new book and said things are things are going well, I'm like that won't be for long. <laughs> <laughs> and it's what it, you feel a bit mean sometimes as a writer, but you've got to set your characters up to be happy sometimes, and then absolutely pull the rug out from underneath them, and. Um, I actually take great delight in doing that. <laughs> well, it makes for amazing reading. And I really do think it hurtles you deep in love with a character when you've um, been through the dark times with them. Yeah, I mean, that, that's riffing on the title too, Darkness for Light. I, I do like the contrast between things going well and things going badly. And, and also what happens when you start hoping uh, when some, when a when a person or when a character is really hopeful for something, you you really start rooting for them, and and then when things take a sudden turn for the the worse, you you tend to go with them. Uh, I know I, that's true for me as a reader. Yeah, yeah. If I'm right, this is the second novel where there's a biblical title. <laughs> well, all three really. When you when you count. Um, Resurrection Bay, because Resurrection yeah, yeah, but now I'm, I'm I'm absolutely riffing on the uh, the Old Testament. Yeah, in fact, I often have uh, lots of uh, little tabs open on the computer, and um, some will be I'll be researching calibers of guns, or you'll be YouTube videos of um, shotguns at night, and then I'll have three biblical, you know, <laughs> quote. Do you worry open. about your <laughs> <laughs> Are the federal police watching you? I, I look. I have only very recently started being really smart and doing incognito in, in, in ways and using Tor. You must I really get some very have, strange ads. Uh, oh, I do. Yeah, but that's great research. <laughs> Um, we've talked a lot about deafness um, already, but I, w I want to stress to the listener that this isn't a book about um, deafness that happens to have crime. This is a fantastic crime novel um, in which the detective happens to be deaf. Mm. Um, and there's, there's two profoundly um, cool aspects to how that plays out. Um, the first is the um, obvious eeriness and um, anxiety of, of reading your books in, in which um, anyone who's, who's sat in an office and, and put head, headphones on and typed away and then had a colleague come up and put a shoulder <laughs> hand on the shoulder um, and freaked out uh, can kind of uh, um, uh, feel, you know, there's, there's this guy really can never understand what's coming up behind him, um, which propels you into this novel and... I read a lot of it with um, my heart and my stomach. Um, the other slightly more fascinating um, and intellectual aspect is 
the way Caleb is viewing crime through the prism of deafness and um, using lip reading, which you've already mentioned, and and other senses, and and he's so precise in in watching everyone. Um, how has been the um, journey of writing that for you? It's been a really interesting one. I, I started off, uh, when I first started writing his character, it, it actually scared me too much. And I, I put the manuscript away for about six months or so because I thought, well, first of all, there are huge responsibilities that come from writing outside your own experiences. Yes. Um, so that scared me. Uh, and then I thought that the technical aspects of writing it deaf character I thought were going to be too hard and the way my way into writing is always dialogue I, all, I write almost um their scripts almost my first drafts it's all about getting characters talking and if I don't know what's going to happen if I in a scene I just get two characters talking and one of them eventually says something surprising I go oh excellent I've got an idea so I thought well that's going to be too hard but when I really dove deep into the research and really started writing it I realized that um the deafness added so much as to me as a writer because, as you say, it makes things a, a lot tenser because Caleb can never relax, which means the reader can never relax. Uh, it also meant that dialogue was more important because he is having to be so observant and have to he has to watch every word in order to understand it. So it makes him incredibly observant as, a, as an investigator. And it's actually made me a lot more observant as a writer as well because I'm not visually observant at all. I, I'm, um, everything is oral for me. I eavesdrop on conversations. I, I, I really am attuned to, to music and things. My first career was as a classical musician. But I could sit in a room, like if I close my eyes now, I couldn't tell you what either of you were wearing, what the colour of the room was, <laughs> what, what, you know, whether the lights were on or off. So it's, it's, it's actually made me stop and really pay more attention to what's happening mm. in a scene when I'm writing things as well, where people are positioned. Um, is Caleb in danger if he hasn't got his book to a, a, his back to a wall? Things like that. So it's, it's, it's been a really interesting, un, un, unexpected journey. I think uh, Caleb and his deafness is... The experience of being with him um, is what makes so many people fall so hard for this series. I just wonder, do you, what, what's the feedback you get from the deaf community? Do you have a lot of um, people write to say how how amazing it is? Like how amazing it feels true. I don't know yeah. because <laughs> I'm hearing, but like it feels so authentic. Yeah, I, I actually I do. I get quite a lot of emails and um, messages on Facebook and that. Um, I was really nervous about the feedback, but so far it's been um, 100% positive yeah. and really overwhelmingly um, enthusiastic, um, saying that I've got it right and that people are, are really um, relieved to see um, deafness represented in, in, in a book. Um, I think I have to be very open to criticism, though. So if I do end up getting mm. criticism, and I think you have to assume as a writer you will eventually um, to, to take that on board. But, yeah, it's been incredibly positive. I remember after reading Resurrection Bay I had to Google you because I wanted to know if you were deaf yeah. because it felt – it just felt really, like, so authentic the way that you write Well, that's him. good. <laughs> um, and you learnt Auslan, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I did two things. I, I, I did, um, first of all, I, 
I tried to learn lip reading. <laughs> I did an online course and um, I thought, oh, yeah, I've got this. And I put little earbuds in my ears and, I, and I, I went out and I caught buses and I tried to order coffees and got really strange orders in restaurants. And, wow. um, and that um, just really brought it home how hard it was. I, I mean, I'd, I'd written um, quite a lot of the book by that stage, a couple of drafts, but I, it's because um, I think a lot of it is about empathy and getting inside a character's head naturally. Mm. But then I want to do the research to make sure I've got it right. And also because you don't always know what you haven't, yeah. uh, what you haven't experienced. Uh, and then I wasn't sure if Caleb was going to use sign language or not. Um, so I, I started off with a short course and within 10 minutes I went, oh, he has to use sign language because it was, first of all, uh, I fell in love with Auslan, but, but mainly because it was a way of showing him at ease in his life and that it would be a great way of showing the people who are close to him sign. So if, if anyone in his life is, is um, signing with him, you know that they are close to him, whether they sign fluently or, or only a little bit. Uh, so yeah, and then I, I I really went into the research and went on and did a TAFE course and and <laughs> really got got involved with it. Was it difficult to learn? It it seems like such a beautiful way of communicating. It's um look I, I'm I'm really fluent for like a, a three year old if you know <laughs> <laughs> three year olds got really bad uh, swear words. Um, <laughs> so to that level, I found it really instinctive. I mean, look, it's a language and and to be to be at a level where you are absolutely fluent as an adult, um, yeah, it takes years, obviously. But as an uh, to walk into a room and learn a few signs, uh, you can actually hold a basic conversation wow. quite quickly because it's quite uh, a lot of it's quite instinctive on, on the on the basic level. When you get into really hard abstract things, it, it gets harder, obviously. But mm. it's very uh, open communication. Did you imagine writing him into three novels now and now will you take him forward into some more? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I wrote Resurrection Bay hoping it would be a short series. Um, nice. Well, Hoping I'd finish it, hoping it would get published, hoping it would be a short series. <laughs> a lot of hopes. Yeah, a lot of hopes there. I wasn't quite sure on the number of novels. Um, I wanted an overall emotional arc for Caleb and, and everyone else. So I knew it wasn't going to be 50 books. Um and along the way I've worked out, it's, it's probably going to be four books and I've started the fourth book. Um, having said that, I don't know if I'll be finished with the characters in the world. So I can imagine myself coming back and writing another trilogy or quartet at another yeah. time. But book four will sort of complete this, this next arc. So, and yeah, I'm, I'm in the early stages of writing that at the moment. No biblical title ready for that yet, though. Oh, we have yeah. to dive <laughs> into the this, Old Testament. I've got the more. tabs open. Yeah, they're <laughs> open. <laughs> uh, this has been absolutely thrilling being able to get to meet you and, and hear about these books. Uh, I want to ask one last thing. You're a classical clarinetist or clarinetter or clarinetarian. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. How, does, how, does, how, do, how do you square that with being an author? Uh, being an author is is uh, actually goes really well with uh, being a classical musician. It's lots and lots of hours alone in a room working yes. on fine details. <laughs> uh, so that side of it, uh, I think, suits me really well. And and the rhythm of of music um, transports really easily to the rhythm of of writing. I read everything 
I write out loud numerous times. So it's a very musical process for me. Um, writing a deaf character as a clarit- uh, classical um Musician was was possibly an unusual choice. <laughs> it's almost a kind of rebellion. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, people often say, "Well, you write something set in the music world," but um, the idea of that doesn't really thrill me. Uh, maybe it will at some stage, but so I, maybe I just went in the opposite direction. I love it. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Emma, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, if you're listening at home, please go and. Get these books, they're fantastic. The latest is called Darkness for Light and you can buy all of Emma's books at booktopia.com.au right now. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.